1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? I've got a great show planned for you. Pretty much inspired by uh, faulty coping mechanisms. Um, We're seeing rise in uh, problematic drug and alcohol use, and uh, we're gonna spend a lot of the show talking about harm reduction, which is an option, a really important treatment option, but an individual option as well in perspective for those that aren't ready or interested in complete sobriety. And, Yeah, and then we're going to talk about how to get our heads in a more body-neutral, body-positive space, knowing that the summer's coming and everyone's going to be bombarding us with toxic messaging around weight loss and calorie counting, which is quite problematic mental health-wise. I wanted to just open the show by talking about some different online forms of support around problematic relationships with drugs or alcohol. Um, everyone's familiar generally with AA and the 12 steps, abstinence based That's the goal. Um, Some people aren't really a fan and not everyone thrives in AA due to some of the steps and the concept of powerlessness. People that are from marginalized exploited identities or populations have been powerless their entire lives. And it's not going to be healthy for them to step into something that yet again reinforces that concept. And some people don't like the idea of, you know, having to carry this label of addict with them forever. And so there's a lot of other support groups. So I want to talk about them. Uh, Smart, recovery is another option that's really important, and that's not necessarily rooted in a higher power. They don't use words like powerlessness, and it doesn't require complete uh, abstinence because some people just want to reduce their use, use healthier. Also, Life Ring is a a secular community-based one. Um, There's a really great group called Women for Sobriety. Um, that's women centered. I I don't know that if, I don't know whether or not it's cis only. I'm hoping it's also trans inclusive. Uh, Sober Grid is a social media app. Um, and also Al-Anon for those that might have um, be the children of or family member of someone who's struggling with addiction and they want to kind of better understand really um, how to cope with that and how to deal with that. So like I said, later in the show, we're going to be spending most of the night talking about harm reduction and coping mechanisms in our relationship to drugs and alcohol. Um, Also, just some stuff in the news. Trans student is urging the school not to use his dead name at graduation. This is heartbreaking. Why would the school not use his name, why do they insist on using his dead name? And for those that aren't familiar, dead name is the name that someone's assigned governmentally or at birth that doesn't match their gender. Um, someone who's trans, when they move into their gender, they, they they often change their name and that's the name that they should be, you, you know, that should be utilized at graduation, that's who they are. I, it's school, calm down, it's graduation. Important to the student, but like, let's calm down. Let's not act like it's some, um, you know, Higher level sacred thing. Let let it be at the comfort of the individual. Like this is heartbreaking to me. People get hung up on this. I refuse. I refuse to use their chosen pronouns, their preferred pronouns, their actual pronouns. I want to use the pronouns that their parents gave them at birth. It's like, dude, calm down. Don't be. You know, there's there's nothing. There's no valor in that. There's no mental health in that. Use the kids. Use the kid's name and his pronouns. Oh my God. So luckily so far, there's 18,000 signatures uh, for the school administration, but the school's saying, we only allow legal names on diplomas. Calm down. <laughs> that needs to change. Again, institutions need to meet the name, I'm sorry, institutions, all of them, need to, need to meet the needs of individuals. People shouldn't have to reorient their lives to meet the needs of an institution or a system. People come first. We're talking about an individual's literal mental health and you wanna get hung up on like a rule, rules should be changed to meet the needs of people, people first. It's it's really offensive and again, not mental health centered and also just not kind and compassionate or even intelligent to be like, yeah, that's just how we do it. It's like, well, change it. There's a human being in front of you impacted, change it. I'm saying that to bosses, I'm saying that to teachers, I'm saying that to the police force, I'm saying that to the government. Who's in front of you? A person. Accommodate that. I'm I'm so tired of business coming first, money coming first, rules coming first, regulations. Change them. It's a person. Don't be so sociopathic. Seriously, meet meet the needs of people. This is a human being. He's had life hard enough as it is. God, it's it's so funny to me. People are like, "Oh, it's rules. Change them." <laughs> this is a person. You know what I mean? It's like when two gay dads want both their names on a child's birth certificate, change the rules around birth certificates. There's two dads in front of you. You're going to tell them that their needs don't matter as much as an old outdated rule that hasn't been updated to meet the needs of where we are culturally. Thank God we're allowing that. Now, in some places, the court has ruled two dads can be on the birth certificate. Great. Also, now in some places, you can choose a third gender on your license or your uh, identification. Good, because that's what's happening in the world. That's where we're at. Update that. People first, people's needs first. Like there's there's really nothing healthy in someone saying that's just how we do it. Update that. Look at your rules. Are they meeting the needs of where we're at culturally? My God, it cracks me up that stuff. And finally, some good news for me because I don't drink and a lot of people don't either for a lot of reasons. You know, it's not healthy for them. They're not a fan of big alcohol, um, whatever it is. Uh, a lot of bars are starting to hire non-alcoholic mixologists for alcohol-free spirits. I love that. I'm not a bar guy, you're not gonna catch me in one no matter what, but for those that do wanna still go out and socialize, meet people, hook up, have fun, be a part of their friends, we should have some decent non-alcoholic beverage options. That's not just juice or water. You know what I mean? There is a true science to flavor. So I love this. Gay mixologist is leading the alcohol-free spirits movement. His name is John DeBarry. I love this. He's in New York. Of course, that's where a lot of these uh, cultural initial things begin. He's the founder of Zero Proof Spirits, a company called Protal prote I can't pronounce that and his quote is filled with the city is filled with people from literally every corner of the world so many different backstories New Yorkers are always pushing so it makes sense that an innovative and somewhat counterintuitive movement would gain a football a foothold here love it hopefully there's more to come with that we're gonna take a little break and when we come back and to talk more as I said about harm reduction oh that's right you're listening to Loveline with Dr Chris Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone we'll be back.
1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: All right, we are back and we're going to spend most of the night talking about harm reduction. What does that mean? Well, it's a... uh psychological uh, theory or lens and uh, very much is often used in uh, addiction, addiction fields. It's a brand new concept. <clears throat> well, let me say it differently. It's not brand new as much as it's not something that's as utilized. Everyone tends to utilize an abstinence model, which is very 12-step uh, AA-driven. And um, look, we've had a rough year. We look at the studies and the increase in alcohol misuse and abuse and the same thing with drugs. And It's been hard. You know, we've talked about this many times in the show that uh, we all turn to various coping mechanisms as a way to deal with what's going on in the world. Oftentimes, things that are happening outside of us are far bigger than what we have the internal resources to cope with. That's okay. Understand that. The idea can't be that we should always be able to rely on ourselves or turn inward to deal with whatever's going on in our lives. That's not true. We are being forced to encounter and deal with things that are unimaginable. You know, being locked away. Some people having not seen another human being or been touched for over a year because of pandemic, that is not something we are, as humans, that we've evolved to have the skills to deal with, right? And so we turn to coping mechanisms. Coping mechanisms are always needed. These things that we latch onto to help calm us down, to help give us a distraction or or time away, to help soothe us, to help bring a little bit joy into a difficult time, right? And uh the issue, though, is not all coping mechanisms are good for us. Sometimes they're good for us in the short term. Uh, sometimes they're never good for us. Coping mechanisms are judgment-free. They're just the things we do to cope. Now, the ones that are good for us or have a negative, I'm sorry, the ones that are good for us or have a neutral to positive impact are more self-care based. That's the word I use for those. The ones that harm us and have a negative outcome are just you know, harmful coping mechanisms. So what does that mean? Well, we can turn to a lot of different things, right? People have turned to gaming and online stuff, food, gambling, exercise, diet culture, um, drugs, alcohol, and so this this topic of harm reduction applies to everything and anything in your life, and the solution can't always be abstinence or removal. The solution for everyone and everything can't be, the work is to cut it out. That is not reasonable for everyone. Some people, let's say drugs and alcohol, their their solution or their goal can be complete abstinence, to never use drugs or alcohol again, awesome. But that is not realistic or reasonable for some people. Some people are wired the certain way or they live a certain life or that's not reasonable. One of the issues that always came up for me when I worked in drug and alcohol inpatient treatment centers was that we never looked at the environment that helped create the addiction. And in not looking at it, we often sent people back to the same toxic, problematic environments and then wondered why they relapsed. And for some people, based on their race, gender, class, uh, socioeconomics, the environment they live in, trauma or abuse, mental health issues, genetics, they will not be able to do full abstinence. And they don't have to. Some people, harm reduction is what they need. Just reducing some of the harm, reducing some of the negative impacts or outcomes. And for them, that is mental health or that is success. AA and 12 steps are all about abstinence. That is not reasonable for everyone and not everyone even wants that. Some people want to just decrease the use, make the use less harmful. But we have to allow space for that. We can't say, "Oh, you failed if you're if you're not completely off of, you know, the gambling, overtraining, you know, disordered eating. Some people, it's a harm reduction model. It's just about improvement. And improvement is a success. And improvement will look different for everyone. Everyone's definition of success or sobriety has to look different. We're moving away from a black and white idea. You are or you aren't. You're sober or you're not. Sobriety is a different definition for everyone. In fact, I reported on this, and it was, God bless her, Demi Lovato is one of the people that really put the word on the map, is California sober. For a lot of people, they realize alcohol is a problem, but they can still use cannabis. For some people, they realize drugs are the problem, but they can still have a few beers. Drew Barrymore also put that on the map. She's like, look, I had a severe problem with cocaine and drugs. I can drink. She drinks wine and beer happily. So it's not once an addict, always an addict. And it's not just because you have an issue with drugs that you have an issue with alcohol or vice versa. That's just not the truth. Right? A lot of people have different sobrieties. My sobriety, I don't drink alcohol. I smoke cannabis. It's part of my mental health. It's been good for me. I need it. And that's a whole separate conversation. But I work with clients where they utilize weed, microdosing, psychedelics, and the work is around this thing that is a problem for them. Everyone's issue isn't everything. Harm reduction is part of mental health or part of a treatment plan for a lot of people, but it's not normalized. We think if it's a problem, get rid of it completely. But even small changes and shifts, the research shows, have an exponential impact on their mental health. Here's a quote, any reduction in drinking during treatment Is associated with significantly fewer alcohol-related consequences and improved mental health at the end at the end of treatment. Meaning, it's not just a matter of it's only been a positive uh, treatment outcome or the work they're doing if they're completely sober. That just reducing the harm by changing their relationship to it, reducing the use or the severity, had powerful outcomes. And for some people, they will leave treatment if it's just about complete abstinence. It's not reasonable for everyone, so. What we're talking about is a new perspective. And, and when we're looking at the health outcomes, uh, so here's some of the positive outcomes of reducing alcohol use through harm reduction. Um, healthier heart function. Decreased or elimination of withdrawal symptoms. Improved sense of empowerment, self-worth, and confidence. Improvement and reduction in depression and global anxiety. Increase in relational health and socialization. Lower blood pressure. So I don't want people to think, if I'm not ready to completely get off drugs, alcohol, gambling, gaming, disordered eating, whatever, that if I'm not ready to completely get off of it, then I'm not ready at all. Oh no, please step into the process, and any incremental shift is positive. We have to get away from the goal always being complete resolution. That's not, that's not a reasonable expectation, as I said, on some people and on their stories, right? And we're going to talk about what this means. We're going to break this down a little bit more. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to keep talking about harm reduction, how to apply to ourselves, and for those healthcare workers, how to apply to the people we work with, right? Because um, we're just trying to improve people's lives. We're trying to make people's lives better. And any way we can do that is reasonable, right? Um, and then the DMs, we'll be gliding into those DMs later. Thank you, Astor Glide. So stick around for those. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the uh, DMs on our Loveline IG page. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and um, talking about harm reduction. Now remember, harm reduction is a model where we don't say that improvement or success is the complete elimination of a problematic relationship with, you know, a drug or an alcohol or a problematic, you know, behavioral process. Sometimes it's just about reducing the harm. And that's awesome. And for some people, that will be what improves their quality of life and what they move forward with forever. Some people they'll just be drinking less, they'll be using drugs less, or they'll be using drugs differently or drinking differently or they'll be eating differently. Right? You know, we talk about disordered eating. For a lot of people, disordered eating will always be a part of their life. We live in a very food phobic, fat phobic culture. It's very hard for anyone to feel okay about their body. Right? Just start with this. Everyone's supposed to be battling aging and using anti aging and fear of aging. Well, right there, that's body negative and setting you up to battle your body. You have to be looking a certain way. You know, we health police people. You know, well, as long as you're healthy, you don't have to be healthy. That's up to you. That is a personal decision. You know what I mean? That is not something that we can put on everyone. Some people choose a life of pleasure and excess, that's on them. But we set you up from the door to believe you have to be other than you are. Self improvement culture does that, gym culture does that, ageism does that. Makeup and fashion, you have to keep up with the trends, they say, you have to look your age. It's a mess. It's a mess. And so it's very hard for anyone to have a complete healthy relationship to themselves in terms of their body and eating, right? Same thing with drugs and alcohol. That is also all over the map. So we talk about harm reduction, right? And again, harm reduction has a lot of positive outcomes and impacts on people. It doesn't have to be complete abstinence. And harm reduction isn't against abstinence. That's a great solution for a lot of people and some things need to be seen and treated that way. But then there are some things that we can't even ever really consider that. Let's look at drugs and alcohol. You can live a very happy, productive, sustainable life without ever using drugs or alcohol. But we can't say the same thing about things like food, sex, fun, games. Whatever whatever other thing you are, there are some things that we need to learn to have in our life and it will always be about trying to reduce the harm because we can't just remove it. Here's what's difficult for humans. We do a little bit better psychologically with all in or all out, all on or all off. So absence makes sense to people. Moderation's very hard and that's what harm reduction involves. Some forms of impulse control, boundaries, and some moderation, that's hard for us because it takes work, it takes focus. We hate that, we hate that. We want things quick and easy. I see that come up with clients around medical stuff. We just want the doctor to tell us. We don't want to do our own homework. We don't want to have to do any research. We don't want to have to learn about our own body or condition. But that's this parent-God complex we have. Why didn't anyone tell me that? Because you're an adult and it's your job to go seek it out. You can't put every responsibility in your doctor. I tell my, my patients that too. Go learn about this. Go read about this. Do some of your own work. It's your life. I'm here to be a companion and to help to the level I can. Same thing with a different kind of doctor. They can only do the best they can, but it's your body. It's your job. Go do some work on it, but we hate that. We want, it, we want the easy route. We want to just stop. We just want to remove. We just want to be told what to do, but let's unpack this. Here's what the work would look like. Let's say we're talking about alcohol and you're saying, I- I'm not going to completely remove it. My life doesn't allow for that, or I'm not ready for that, or that's far too hard for me. Well, here's what we would do for harm reduction. These are examples. You would make sure you eat before you drink. That would be your rule. I'm still going to drink, but I'm gonna make sure I always eat before I drink. Why? That will reduce the harm that the alcohol is causing. Also, maybe you'll pick a few times or days throughout the week where you don't drink. Kind of like how people are very comfortable with a cheat day in terms of food. You do the inverse. There's days away from alcohol. There's certain days I'm allowed to drink and certain days I can't. That's reducing harm and that works for a lot of people. Don't drink during the work week, can only drink on the weekends. Well, that gives you a great week where you're feeling good, you're feeling healthy, you're feeling rested, no negative outcomes, no problems, and then the weekends are where you're willing to step into whatever comes out of that. Also, maybe drinking one or two drinks less every time you drink, or maybe having a certain time when you have to leave the bar and go home, and that reduces harm. Instead of just drinking as many as I want, I count them, you might say, and, and I have to stop at three, or however many I'm gonna have, I have one less. Or I have to have a glass of water in between every drink. I'll still drink, but I have to have a glass of water after every drink that will slow me down, that will keep me hydrated, that will keep me full, and it gives me time to have a little bit more awareness. That's harm reduction, right? Maybe you alternate, right? Maybe you make sure, for some people, harm reduction is just I'm not going to drink and drive. And I'm still gonna drink a lot, maybe problematically, but I'm gonna always take an Uber and therefore I know I'm not gonna get into a risk of harming someone or myself in the car. Like these are examples of what harm reduction looks like. And again, it's not a cop out, it's not giving, it's not you know permission giving for people to stay in an unhealthy dynamic with something, it's about being realistic. It's not reasonable for everyone to be told, stop drinking, starting now you never drink again, that's not reasonable. And not everyone even needs that. Some people do just need to chill out, slow down, take a break, create more space, reduce the impact, and then they're happy and they're healthy, right? So we want to be realistic about what's possible. We really want to kind of step into that because, again, for everyone, we don't have to necessarily remove everything. And so the the question you're you're posing, you're left with is, when we're talking about a difficulty you have with something, say to yourself, is there a way that I can at least reduce the harm, the harm it has on me, the harm it has on my health, the harm it has on my life, the harm it has on my job, or the harm it has on someone else? And we can even apply that to people. Can you help someone you love reduce the harm? Maybe you do help them make excuses up with their boss so they don't get fired. Maybe you do bail them out. Maybe you do say, well they're gonna be using problematically but I'm gonna make sure they have a safe place to sleep every night and they're fed. And that's helping you love them and help reduce the harm. We don't need people to hit rock bottom. Often that leads to them dying and we lose them. One of the things that helps people stay in the game of improvement is knowing that someone cares about them. So we're not discounting that. We're leaning in, we're being there for people. We're helping out to the extent we can. All right, y'all, we're going to keep talking about this, but uh, we got to take a break and glide into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by AstroGlide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. All right, we are back. And guess what, y'all? It is time to glide into those DMs. Gliding into the DMs. Today's DM says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been in a relationship for three years. We started out, I'm sorry, I feel like I read these sometimes with such dramatic effect. We've been in a relationship for three years. We started out as best friends and then developed into something more, which had never happened to me before. We had the best relationship, but somehow it's kind of like we've reverted back to being friends. We both aren't romantic towards each other anymore. We both just kind of go about our day, but remain best friends. We do everything together. We talk all the time, but no love. Is it time to move on? Kind of sounds like you already did. You know what I mean? Be where you are. Don't force things. Don't fight things. I love how fluid and honest your little journey's been. Not your. I'm sorry to qualify the word little. I like how honest and open and fluid your journey has thus far been. Honor that, right? We don't want to force things, right? We don't want to force romance or sexuality um, where, where it isn't able to be done. And you guys have so beautifully kept in touch. And I like the intimacy that, becoming lovers after having been friends affords us. And then I like the intimacy that having been lovers and then moving into friendship affords you. Remember, just because we're not able to stay connected or committed around sex or romance doesn't mean we can't shift into a new configuration and keep the elements we love and value about each other. That's why friends with exes is beautiful. If we're dating healthy people and we're leaving lovingly, right? But we get really hung up on it being one or the other, and we can't move from one to the other. And if one didn't work, nothing can work. We're so hardlined and so dramatic and so polarized. Um, but you've built a lot of intimacy and care, and that that creates a even deeper friendship. And so that's great. Honor that. Love that. And <clears throat> I don't even like using the word breakup. I haven't found a better word, but... It should just be a transition. People shouldn't break up, they should transition. We transitioned into being lovers. We transitioned out of being lovers. We transitioned into romance, now we're transitioning into just friendship. Maybe we're not gonna be close best friendships. So it should be called transitions. Moving forward, I'm gonna use the word transitions. We don't break up. That's very hard-lined and primitive. We broke up. If it's a toxic, you know, violent relationship, end it, yes but yours isn't, and so we transition. We transition on into something else. And I think that's a gentler word. A lot of people are afraid of leaving a romantic relationship because I don't want to break up. Okay, but would you want to lovingly, helpfully transition into something that's more honest or functional based on who you both now are? Because what worked then doesn't necessarily work now. right? We have this idea that like a successful relationship goes on forever, but we have to get away from using time or the label of the relationship as determining its worth and value or its success. Not every relationship is able or meant to go on endlessly. We are now living longer and longer and longer and longer as well. It's bizarre in some ways to think that whoever you are connected and compatible with and have chemistry with in your 20s should, you know, 50 years later still maintain that. It doesn't have to. And that's not a failure. That's called natural growth and change and shift. We're not always going to grow like synchronized skaters in the same direction in the same ways. So many things happen in the context of our lives that we can grow apart. That's not bad or broken. Not every relationship can be maintained in a romantic or sexual sense. I have to tell couples that. Things get de-eroticized, de-romanticized. It's the part of the natural ebbs and flows. We don't want to be afraid of that. That's not a sign of badness or failure. I love your journey, right? Allow that, honor that, be in that. Don't think it needs to be anything other than that, you know? Um, That's who you guys are. That's what's worked well for you. I love that you have each other and the intimacy that comes from having been, and that's why I love the idea of people becoming friends with people that they were just hookup partners with. Hooking up in sex can help us learn about ourselves and each other. You know, relationships are built from all different kinds of entry points. So your journey's awesome. Just naturally follow its flow. You're now back in a more friend space. Start dating other people. Start bringing romance in through other people, you know? It doesn't have to be this solid, you know, declaration of shift and change, you know what I mean? You can just be honoring the natural drift that you have. We need to work on just being more honest with where we're at, what's possible, you know? yeah, so coming up next, we're going to be talking about how to uh, have more of a healthy perspective around our bodies. Summer's coming, so all the body shaming ads and commentary and memes start flowing in. So we're going to talk about how to protect ourselves around that. And, of course, we'll be gliding back into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in our Love Line IG page and uh, Love Line. Past episodes over at WeAreChannelQ.com. So uh, you're listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by AstroGlide. We'll be back, so stick around.
0: Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by AstroGlide.
2: All right, we're back and we're wrapping up our coverage of harm reduction. Why? Well, a lot of us have relationships to uh, different things, Uh, diet culture, food, working out, yes, too much of a good thing exists for literally everything, you know, we don't wanna overtrain, burn ourselves out, we're not trying to feel as though we have to earn food, right, we're having a healthy relationship to exercise, movement, and food, but some people aren't happy with their relationship to drugs, alcohol, sex, food, shopping, gambling, so we're talking about harm reduction, some of these things can't healthily be completely removed, we, it is healthy and necessary to have sex, we've talked about that, Um, it actually reduces rates of prostate cancer. The more you ejaculate, you should be ejaculating probably, I think they said 20 times, 21 times a month for penis owners in order to have healthy prostates. And we also know orgasms reduce, severely reduce the incidence of cancer for uh, people that are vagina owners, uh, maybe female identified. So harm reduction is important for all of us to think about, because again, the work, the work in having a problematic relationship to something, what some people might call an addiction, I don't, Use words like that because we're all different places on the continuum, and our relationship to something might look more addicted at one point, and then as circumstances in our life change, maybe it's actually very functional. So once an addict, not always an addict, we now know it's not a disease; it's a, an attachment issue. It's something that's a learned behavior. It's also a faulty coping mechanism, um, and so our relationship to drugs and alcohol, food, exercise might be problematic. Harm reduction is the way to really enter it. We don't need to remove these things. We need to have a healthier relationship to them. Again, it's not anti-abstinence. Get rid of drugs and alcohol. You'll you'll do better. I, I think most people should get rid of alcohol. It's a mess. It creates a lot of problems. <laughs> it's problematically the center point of everything we do and celebrate. We don't need that. Big alcohol is quite toxic. It's bad for us, literally bad for us. However, it can serve a great purpose where it can enhance celebrations, right? If you're in a good mood, I'm more comfortable with people drinking. If you're not in a great mood, it's gonna amplify that not so great mood. So, you know, it's better to drink or use drugs when you're in a positive space, not when you're in a negative space or trying to use it to fully really deal with something because it's far from a solution. But for some of us, most of us, it's just about having a healthier, better relationship to it, not completely removing it. So harm reduction is about, hey, do you want to drink or use less? Uh, Do you want to wake up feeling better and not hungover? Do you want to feel safer in your use of food, shopping, gambling, sex? Uh, Maybe you're not into abstinence or AA. A lot of people want to still smoke marijuana or maybe get off certain illicit substances, but still drink. Or they want to not drink, but they want to have a healthy relationship with other things, right? Uh, Not everyone is comfortable going to meetings. Uh, Just these needed changes are really going to be enhancing and important for us. So again, harm reduction is about asking what are ways that I can help reduce the harm that drugs or alcohol or these other substances play in someone I love's life or also your own, right? It's not always about necessarily getting rid of it. And, you know, total total abstinence is not a reasonable goal for everyone based on their circumstances, right? Um, So- Anyway, harm reduction is about how can I reduce harm? Therapy can help as well. I always want to throw that out there. But uh, And then also just what are some of the things we can do as one-offs if we're having a really rough day or time? I always ask people, stop for one second before you use or pick up anything and just say to yourself, how do I feel? What's going on with me? What am I attempting to solve? What feeling am I trying to not have to feel or encounter? What do I not want to think about? What do I not want to deal with? And just build in that little bit of space between trigger and reaction. We wanna widen that space. Usually we feel something, we grab the booze. We feel something, we grab the food. What if we widened that space and just paused and said, I'm feeling as though I want to drink to cope. What is going on with me? Ah, oh, I'm feeling lonely. Is there a better way or another way to solve that? Yes, I can see someone call someone, reach out. Maybe depending on the question, the answer is no. And maybe whatever you're going to reach for might be the most reasonable thing in the moment. Coping mechanisms are born out of a need. We don't want to just remove them all. We have to replace them. It's okay to have coping mechanisms. We just want to have really sustainable, healthy, positive impact ones. So the first thing, again, is saying, what what am I trying to do? What am I trying to fix? What am I trying to solve? Is there another way to do it? Before we just grab reactively that coping mechanism and then say to yourself, if I'm going to still go for the coping mechanism, is there a way that I can... Use it safer or better. Use it less. Create more space. Take tomorrow off. Find a healthier way of using it, right? We talk about snorting versus injecting, right? Having a glass of water with every drink. Eating before drinking. There's a lot of safer ways, right? And reducing harm is what we're trying to do. But that's when it goes back to also self-care practices that we talk about to nauseam on this show, right? Listen to music. That's been really healing for me journaling, writing it out, working it through, calling someone to process it, right? Maybe taking a break, taking a nap, reading a book, masturbating, dancing, stretching, watching a movie, going for a walk, so many ways we can do it. I just want people to have a wide range of coping mechanisms because the problem is usually when we have one and one only. You are allowed to eat your feelings. Many times the best thing I can do for my mood is just eat a donut. Go get a vegan donut. It makes me happy. It gives me a break. I'm not trying to solve anything. I'm just trying to take a moment away or give myself joy. We're allowed to still have those things, but I have a lot of other coping mechanisms, so I don't over-rely or depend on that one. That's when it becomes a problem. If you don't have choice, you're trapped. You want to have choice so you can actually choose. That's how we feel better. That's how we feel empowered, right? That's a healthy use of coping mechanisms because, again, we will need them. It's not about not needing them or having them. It's about having choice, having pause between trigger and what we reach for, and asking ourselves, is there maybe a better or another way? Um, all right. All right, y'all. That is that. And we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by AstroGlide. Personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Stick around. All right. We're back and uh, summer's coming, the warm weather. So we got to do a little body positive check-in because we're going to be bombarded with people trying to shame us and talk about COVID weight loss, COVID waking, getting a summer body. So I want to start by reminding everyone that Health exists at every size. You cannot determine someone's health by looking at their body size. Being smaller is not inherently healthier than being larger, It depends on a lot of other factors. And uh, not to be trite, but that's why we don't send our doctor a shirtless selfie for him to diagnose our current state of health. And mental health has to be factored into any discussion of health. I don't care how physically healthy you think you are, if your mental health is tanking, then you're not healthy. And discussing our bodies as though they're an achievement or something we need to battle is not mentally healthy. Your body's a vehicle. It's an important thing that gets you through the day in the world. But our worth and our attractiveness shouldn't be tied to it. We're working on dismantling that. Health exists at every size. Every body is a good body, and every body is a beach body. You don't need to look a certain way to feel safe or comfortable wearing what you want or going to the beach. We need to stop reinforcing that. Even the people that meet those criteria that they think they need to meet, which they don't, unless you're a model, you don't need to be looking that way. That was the most liberating thing I realized. I'm not a model. I don't have to worry about that thing. I don't have to over-train or starve myself, right? But we want to be very thoughtful. We want to protect our mental health. So before I talk about how we protect it, I just want to speak quickly to those that are promoting it please stop talking about weight loss please stop posting before and after pics please stop posting thirsty gym pics it just reinforces the idea that that's what we need to look like and those that have met what they think is the needed criteria it keeps you trapped because you're remembering and being reminded with all the likes that that's what they want from you and that's what you need to have sounds exhausting to me. It's really about moving our bodies, eating as nutritiously as we can or as we want to, and then learning to love and roll with whatever is. We're not loving at all, making it neutral. It shouldn't matter. We don't need to love our bodies. We don't need to hate them. It should just be, yeah, this is the thing that gets me through the day. I want to take care of it, but my worth isn't tied to it. So how do we really start to, again, with summer coming, work on feeling better about our bodies or having better many mental health and, and, and body esteem? Don't participate in weight loss or body shaming. Conversations. Tell your friends, yo, you know what? Moving forward, let's not be that group of friends that endlessly talks about weight loss, weight gain, feeling fat, blah, 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 Let's talk about are we good people? Are we good partners? Are we being good bosses and employees and loved ones? Are we living a life of purpose and meaning? Are we focusing on self care? What's that funny meme you heard? Do you have any good music? Like, what should we do with our summer? Like, focus on things that matter. But One of you needs to be the activist that's like, we're going to stop with the body talk. It's exhausting. It doesn't matter. And it keeps us trapped. So we're going to shut that down. We're not, no one needs to be around that. And if your friends insist on talking about that, you need to maybe step away. But I really want people to advocate for themselves. There's nothing healthy and healthy and staying trapped in that. Um, Also, just remember anytime our self-worth is tied to form or, or material like our body and how we look, good luck. That's a losing battle. Because the work it takes for many people to look the way they think they need to look is exhausting and not sustainable. And and again, our bodies change, especially as we age and with ability or disability and income and stress levels. It's a losing battle. And what we really need to do to be physically healthy is not as exhausting as we think. And we're moving towards intuitive eating, listening to our body's signals of when we're hungry, when we're full, what we want to eat, not calling foods good or bad because it doesn't work like that. And... um, Also doing intuitive movement. If we exercise, working out in the ways that feel fun and good, and when your body says I'm done, you're done. Um, Be very thoughtful though about the uh, people you maybe work out with, or the kind of personal trainers, or these online programs. You don't wanna follow ones that are talking about weight loss or calorie counting. That's That's what we call toxic gym culture or toxic diet culture. Toxic forms where they're not talking about health. They're not saying, do you feel strong? Do you feel good? Do you feel better? They're saying, It doesn't matter. It's how you look. And that isn't what's important. And that's not health talk. Health talk is not about how you look. Again, how we look doesn't determine our health. Do we feel strong? Do we feel good? Do we feel rested? Do we feel powerful? Are we able to do the activities we want to do? That's health talk. How's our heart rate, right? What's your blood pressure, right? What's your cholesterol? Those Those are discussions around health. And so be very thoughtful because a lot of people start talking about calorie counting, weight loss. Those are the things you unfollow. Those are not body positive. Those are not part of health at every size. And there's a lot of dietitians that are anti-diet dietitians. Find one of those. There are body positive and health at every size personal trainers. You'll know because their social media will have all different kinds of bodies and they won't talk about weight loss and calorie counting. So be very thoughtful about that. Um, Again, we're stepping into eating things that feel good and things that, that when we move, we feel good around. A huge thing and I say this all the time, unfollow any account that makes you feel bad. Unfollow any account that promotes unhealthy relationship with food, right? That's how about like I said weight loss. It's focused on aesthetics, not function, right? I'm very particular about the brands I'll work with and who I'll work with. I was very thoughtful about word choice in my books when I'm talking about bodies. But it's a difficult thing. I've had to check myself when I heard myself slipping into some diet culture or toxic gym culture dialogue because it's so prevalent and all of my patients are struggling with it. How do we feel good about who we are within the context of this world that's constantly holding up ideas and images saying, this is what you need to be doing. This is how you need to look to feel okay. That's exhausting. And it's and it's and it's yes, it's gendered, but then it's also universal. It used to be something that mainly people that were female struggled with. Well, males are struggling with that too. People that are non-binary as well, trans people, like cis and trans, like we, it is just a cultural disease that we're so hung up on that. We need to get back to: Am I what kind of person am I? Is my life full of joy and meaning? Like that's what I want people to worry about all day, not um getting to the gym and counting calories. That's the opposite of health. Uh, it's going to also just lead you nowhere good. Um, we're going to take a little break and when we come back, we're going to finish talking about how to get our heads on straight, but also I want people to be aware, whether you struggle with this or not, everything you post and you talk about and how you move through the world is making it harder on others or making it easier. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Let's make our worth tied to something more meaningful and sustainable and healthier. Your body, being obsessed with your body and how it looks, that's ego, that's form, that fails you. We know that. Um... All right, cool. So uh, we're going to be gliding into the DMs later in the show. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our uh, Loveline IG page. And uh, want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can go to wearechannelq.com. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back. And uh, with summer coming, we're doing a little uh, body neutrality talk. I know we hear the word body positivity all the time, but... It's not reasonable for everyone to learn to love their bodies, nor do you have to. In fact, I'd love us to not consider our bodies. I want us to think about them in terms of, am I moving my body every day for 30 minutes if I can? Am I eating as nutritious as possible? However many meals you eat in a day are the amount of opportunities you're given to give your body all the things it needs. So think about that. Not It's not something everyone has to step into. I'm not gonna do any health policing. Your health is your decision, but it's something to think about and consider if you want to. Um, but uh, we're all part of this cultural ego. We're part of this collective consciousness to use some Jungian terms. God, I love Jung. And uh, we're looking at how we impact each other and we're looking at the conversations we're having with and around each other. We're not talking about our bodies and diets and what we're eating and how we feel in terms of being fat or not. That is toxic. And oftentimes you're talking about not wanting to have a body that maybe someone listening has and is working on loving or neutralizing. Don't be a part of making life harder. Back off of all that. If you're a model, God bless you. That's part of your contract. That's what you got to do for work. But if you're not a model, it don't matter. We don't need to be looking any way other than how we look. You know what I mean? So let go of that a little bit. Um, we're also being thoughtful about the accounts we're following, the things we're posting. Uh, we're being thoughtful about how we talk about movement and certain kinds of food. It's okay to eat foods that make you smile and make you happy. That is a part of mental health. I do eat snacks and sweets. That's part of mental health. It makes me feel good. It makes me smile. That's part of my self-care at the end of a long day. I love eating some, some vegan ice cream or a vegan donut. Yeah, I'm vegan for the environment, for my spirituality. It's feminist. It's about getting away from violence and domination and power over. Um, So for me, that's really important, part of my physical mental health and my spirituality. But um, we wanna be very thoughtful about what we're participating in, what we're creating, what we're sustaining. Check in with yourself. How are you feeling about this topic? Is there work to do? Do you need to be more thoughtful about the things we're discussing? Maybe you've done that work. Maybe you've internalized it. Maybe you have that great community of friends where you don't participate in these kinds of negative conversations about your bodies and others, right? But that does matter. Your friends' perspectives and attitudes and opinions matter. You're swimming in it, indirectly and directly. Same things with your, whatever you're watching or, you know, the kinds of fitness things you're following, all that matters. But it really comes back to learning how to listen to our bodies. If you need to rest, rest. If you need to move, move. If you're moving and your body's like, I'm done, I'm tired, stop. If you're hungry, eat. When you're full, stop. We're, we're really trying to get back to our body's signals. That's intuitive eating. And there's no such thing as intuitive fasting. It doesn't work. Sorry, Goop, sorry, going with Paltrow, that's just not a thing. We're listening to our bodies and it's really hard to do that because we're so disconnected. We are, we move through the entire day completely disconnected. We're not able to go to the bathroom when we want. We're not able to sit or stand when we want. We're trying to sit still and be professional and act like a man or be a mom. And we get so hung up on the right way. And we have our, you know, we're in our yoga class and someone's literally manipulating our bodies. And it's like, we never just let our bodies do what they need to do and listen to them. Well, we're trying to get back to that. If you need to stop, stop. If a movement's hurting, put a pause on it. If you need to get up and walk around, do it. If you need to lay and rest, I I want us to be able to do that. But with eating and movement, we have to let our body kind of direct us and tell us, listen to it. Sometimes you need a week off to just sleep in and pass on the gym. Sometimes you need to spend a week eating foods that just make you happy. Maybe you need to spend a week eating foods that are just really nutritious and nourishing. Whatever you need to do. Also, if this is something that's really hard for you, really check in with therapy. For some people, it's not enough to be reading. And that's the other thing. Do some bibliotherapy. Read these body positive books. We can't think that listening to my show only or even therapy once a week, that that's going to be powerful enough of an antidote against all the other things you're embedded in and the messages you're hearing all day long and all week long. You need to seek out some really body-positive podcasts. Surround yourself with that. You need to seek out some body-positive books. Surround yourself with that. Seek out and follow some body-positive, healthier Instagram pages and Twitters. You have to immerse yourself in the kind of dialogue that you wanna be thinking about your, on your own. You wanna immerse yourself in mentors and and, and 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 really being influenced by people who are living the, moving through the world and living life in the ways you want to. Because um, we often do the opposite, right? It's, it's a difficult thing, it's a life's work, it's not something that we quickly create. We're working on our own vision of, of what we want our relationship to food and movement to be. We're focusing on doing the things that feel good to us We're understanding that our bodies naturally change. Whatever's working or making sense now might not be available to us down the road, right? We're paying attention to emotional triggers, right? The things that maybe throw us off and disrupt us, but we're moving into an ethic of care and we're really centering mental health. What I want everyone to learn, if nothing else, from me, my work, and my show is whenever something is posed to you in the world, whatever it is, your first thought is, how is this impacting my mental health or how will it impact my mental health? And if it's gonna be bad or negative, then you really try to second guess it, say no, set a boundary, or change it. Um, and if you really do that work, you realize multiple times throughout the day, you're participating in a conversation or you're doing something that's maybe not great for you. You know, I love people journaling and really kind of tracking that stuff. Um, all right, cool, so that is that. Coming up next, we're going to glide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in uh, the DMs on our Loveline IG page and as always past episodes are over at uh we are channel scroll down look for my face click on it bam there they are but like i said coming up next we're going to glide into those dms you're listening to loveline with dr chris and loveline is brought to you by astroglide personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone stick around we'll be back
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
0: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
2: all right we're back now it's time to glide into those dms gliding into the dms this one says hey dr chris me and my partner just went through a breakup See, we're not using that word anymore. You and your partner just went through a transition. You've transitioned out of a sexual romantic relationship into acquaintanceship or friendship or maybe nothingship. Um, And I feel pretty great about it. Well, good. I hope that means you realize this relationship in the way it's currently structured has gone as far as it can and should. I hope that that means you also lovingly left and said, hey, let's transition out of what we were doing. Um, That's all good stuff. Uh, I've been doing more things for myself. You say even little things like watching the TV shows I like instead of picking whatever they wanted to watch. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) The truth, the authenticity that can emerge, uh, when we've transitioned out of a relationship that we should lovingly try to bring in while with someone, but I get that it's easier after, uh, back to your question. You said, but part of me feels anxious all the time. Part of me misses them a lot. Is this normal? I know that I lost a best friend but that's all they were at the end of the day a friend also how soon is too soon to start trying to meet other people bam so much in this question uh party feels anxious and misses them yeah that's normal something's lost something's gone something's changed we will always mourn the loss, grieve the loss of something small or large, right? Your life is different. When we leave a romantic relationship, our identity changes. We were the boyfriend or girlfriend of someone or husband or wife, right? It was an us, that changes. Our social world changes. Maybe we're socializing differently. We have to go back up against, maybe some of us have always been in the battle, but we go, up, go back up against our sense of desirability and datability when we're single. A lot of people have been in long-term relationship or marriages, that's very profound. Now they have to think in terms in terms. terms of market value, which is this gross thing that exists in our culture. How dateable and attractive am I? What's my market value? What does it mean to have to really have body steam again and sexual self-esteem and encounter that fragility, right? That, there's so much in that, the structure of your day changes because you know we rely upon that person financially in other ways, our time is accounted for often. We know Friday night we're with them and holidays. It's such a reorientation. That's why I want people to lovingly work out like they work their way in. It doesn't need to be like, it's over, get your stuff and get out tomorrow. That's very harsh and overwhelming. We don't wanna have to make it that way. So of course it's normal, but even if it wasn't, that doesn't matter. We're not trying to be normal, we're trying to be us. We're trying to be where we are at. It doesn't matter what other people do, right? And you said, I know I lost a best friend, but that's all they were at the end of the day. What do you mean that's all they were? That's that's a big thing. They were a best friend. You lost a, be- a best friend. You lost something important. You lost something of a lot of worth and value. Don't undercut that. Don't illegitimize that. Don't play the game of a romantic partner has more worth value than a best friend does. We wanna, we wanna make that more horizontal. We don't wanna do that vertical where they're at the top romantic and they come before all else. Sometimes, but friends and best friends are just as important. In fact, they're there before, during, and after usually. They're more sustainable. Remember that. most sustainable configuration is friendship. Those are the things that last longer and are the more robust. Why? We, we encounter them in a healthier way. We have better, we have better relational skills uh, non-romantically than we do romantically. If romantic relationships trigger our stuff, our trauma, our anxiety in a lot of ways that uh, <clears throat> social ones do not um so it's a big deal that you lost and then your final question how soon is it how soon is too soon to start meeting other people as soon as you want i mean again the length of time between relationships doesn't determine its health and the studies show over and over dating as soon as possible can make us not have to really feel not desirable or dateable our self-esteem remains more intact when we get back out there if we are able to get back out there in a way that reflects back our worth and value and that there's a lot more to come But more than that is just check in on yourself. I don't want you to bring your stuff into someone else's life. When we enter someone's life, we bring our stuff in. So make sure you've done the work of saying, let me assess who I am based on my last relationship. What can I learn about myself? What changes do I need to make to be better for someone next time? So look back and say, what am I proud of? What aspects do I wanna take forward and keep with me? What parts of myself do I wanna leave behind and not bring into someone else's life? So do some powerful self-assessment. Once you've done that, And you say, I like the life I lead, I have a group of friends, I know what my work is, then you can date again. But if you don't have a social group, work on that first. And if you don't feel content or happy in your life, work on that first, because then you're gonna put that expectation otherwise on a partner, or bring your misery into their life. So yeah, I want people to have a general higher level of health before they start dating. I know it's hard for some people to hear, but we bring our stuff into someone else's life. So address that. Um, that is our show. If you have a DM, drop in the DMs on our Loveland page, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about healthy texting and, of course, healthy sexting. So join us for that. As always, thanks for hanging out, y'all. And you enjoy the rest of your night.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?